Yeah, what you are about to hear is a work of fan fiction. All characters and events and settings, even those based on the ones from World of Warcraft, are entirely fictional, and half of it was probably made up on the spot. Listening to this production indicates your consent to its terms of service, which we forgot to write down. Last time, our heroes Butch, Ari, and Fulcus accidentally came to the rescue of Rezik and his crew of goblin lumber mill laborers at the Venture Company base camp. Freshly armed with Arna's hammer, wand, and ooze launcher, the party will be making its journey toward the Mashog Ogre Mound, where they are to meet with the Biclops, and then finally invade Zulgarub. Will things go according to plan? Let's find out now as we queue up for some more heroic dungeons and dragons. Today's the day, guys. All it's going to take is getting through the cave and into the city. Knock over the kingpin. The day, the day is won. It's all it's going to take. You guys know the plan. We had a long tactical conversation. It wasn't that long. We had a tactical conversation with Trag, Drac, and Wellath out in the the orc camp. The, the name escapes me at the moment. Gromgol. Gromgol. And you had a, like a severely guilt-laden conversation uh, between Butch and Omi about uh, what happened in Booty Bay and what the consequences of all that are. And then you three headed out with your horde compatriots toward the Venture Company base camp to recruit the goblins that are there to your cause. It was there that you found several barrels and crates of flame bloom. You found a crew of goblins that were ready to fight. And you found weaponsmith Arna, who was leaning on Rezik, trying to get him to sell you out. You took down the troll, looted several pieces of equipment from him, and discussed your plans with Rezik and the goblins. We fast forward a few minutes. At this point, the Zeppelin has arrived, and the bombs, and the flame bloom oil, and the, the barrels and any other relevant supplies have been loaded on board. The goblins know the plan, and they are ready to roll out. Is there anything else that you'd like to do at the lumber mill before we proceed? I'll, I'll, I'll say this. When we left off, we had decided to move forward already. We had already figured out all the flame bloom oil and they had the barrels of it for the Zeppelin, and we took vials of it for ourselves, and we started off to get to um, Moshog, the the ogre place. And the plan was, one of the goblins was going to come with us, and we were going to show them the goblin shredder, and, and then they would take the shredder back, and then we were going to head through the ogre cave. Yes, that's right. So we've already said goodbye to them 
and uh, we sent someone to tell the yeah we sent a goblin to tell um, the Zeppelin folks to come to the lumber mill in the first place yes um, and as a consequence of that the the Zeppelin did go to the lumber mill it arrived it picked up all the stuff that they were like okay well let's just drop this stuff on the city it'll be great we'll load it up with you know whatever we need so yes that that happened what was it that we looted again Aha. Uh, from Arna, you were actually able to find three pieces of equipment that seemed uh, magical in nature. There was a, like a, a, a gnarled looking purplish colored uh, wand. There was the big two-handed hammer that he was using in combat that I don't know if he actually made a melee attack with. I, I, I don't remember. I remember he was a little bit more spell-focused. I forget. I'll have to listen to it. Uh, and there was a device that was shaped like a firearm. Big, like, bowed-out barrel at the end, like a, like an old-school musket. Uh, and at the butt of the, of the item, there was, like, a large jar that had, like, a little bit of a gloopy kind of a material in it. It was the thing that he went, oh, okay, we're going to have a fight. He drew this weapon and fired it, and... It farted out a <laughs> uh, gelatinous cube that was like, "Oh, we just got to deal with a cube now." Those were those were the three objects. If you want, you can take some time and identify them and actually get proper info out of them. Yeah, I because I have that. So if I could just identify each one of it real quick. Yeah, not a it. problem. You take a few minutes to as a ritual so that you're not burning spell slots. I assume. Yes. The wand you are able to identify as a wand that can, it can both create and remove a curse effect once per day. It is the wand of curses. So it can do both of them or just one of them? So it can create a curse once a day and remove a curse once a day or it's either or? Well, it depends on how you roll. Okay. It is a rare wand. It does require attunement by a spellcaster. While you're attuned to the wands, you have a plus one bonus to your spell attack rolls and to your spell save DC. In addition, once per day, you can use your action to cast the bestow curse spell or the remove curse spell from the wand. Once either spell is used, the wand cannot be used again until its magic recharges each night at dusk. After either spell is cast, you roll a d20. If it's a 1, the wand can't be used again until the following night. If it's a 20, the powers the wand's power remains and can be used again that same day. But most of the time, you're going to cast a spell from it, and then you're not going to be able to use it again for the remainder of the day. We probably should look at hanging on to it for uh, dispelling curses. If we're... Okay dealing with trolls my thought is is that we're going to need it to dispel a curse so we should probably hang on to that charge uh focus and ari definitely gets that right or what are you saying i was going to say well i I would think so because it does require attunement by a spellcaster and she is your spellcaster the other thing i was going to say is that focus with your passive investigation skill you would recognize that this is probably directly 
the source of the actual curse effects on many of the items that have been distributed throughout the jungle that have been, you know, cursed items. <gasps> yeah, so I'll, I'll relay that. And I was like, actually, that wouldn't be a bad idea if, um, oh, I forgot his name. Hang on. Arna? I will say when I equip it, it's not making me attune it. It's not going into my, like, items requiring attunement thing. Interesting. I will edit that. Oh, wait, hold on. There we go. I had to refresh. Never mind. Oh, Added. okay. Cool. I, had to, I just refreshed the page. Okay. What about the two-handed hammer? Mm-hmm. The hammer was... It's weird. The troll, Arna, kind of a spindly dude. And he was speaking uh, with the eloquence of somebody who has spent some time studying. You know, he... he uh, he he was he was doing this thing where he was like, "Hey, you said that you didn't have it, but three people walked into my city with your stuff." Like he he was he wasn't letting anything slip. You take it that he was a relatively intelligent character, and yet this is a proper two-handed maul. Um, it it is a strength weapon. It 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 takes some muscle to swing. It is a plus one magical weapon, and it's enchanted so that while you're holding it, you can, first of all, take a bonus action to create light, um, similar to the drift globe effect. And also, it has, uh, yeah. I'm just picturing like, using two hands <clears throat> to like hold up a giant hammer, big like hammer. a torch. Yeah. <laughs> it has uh, four charges to it as a reaction. After being hit by an attack, you can burn one charge and cause the attacker to be blinded until the end of their next turn, unless they succeed on a constitution saving throw. That weapon is a Radiant Maul. M-A-U-L. Um, Erica, I mean, uh, Falcus is a fighter. I don't know how much melee... I don't think I can use... You have the proficiency. You have the proficiency for this weapon. It is going to be a strength attack roll. Yeah, I'll have to pass on that just because that's why I'm using the rapier and the rapier. So if I am going to be in melee, my choice of weapons is the rapier and a shield uh, just to give me that added bonus. For the um, AC? Yes. Yeah. That and a rapier would be a dex It's a finesse weapon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I get a does plus the, eight. Sorry, does the mall require attunement? Does not. Okay. I can. I'll put that in my inventory and figure it out later. I can't like attune anything, so I can either be attuned to Priest Slayer two or the mall. You know, no. Um, the, the mall does not. The mall does not require attunement. Oh, we just, just said it. that. Yeah, he literally. You asked, he said the answer, and I ignored it. So, um, I'm not gonna figure it out right now, uh, because, oh, I mean, I mean I'm using a two-handed weapon anyway. I, I, I will put it in, in my, in my stuff. If you're talking about the axe, so that axe is, uh, versatile, right? So it can be used as a one-hander or a two-hander, but you can still keep that one in your inventory attuned to it to get your extra HP, and you can swing this guy, which is a true two-hander, and get, what is it, a plus 10? 
plus wait what what's mm -hmm. what's the what, what's the damage on the mall the damage on a mall is I think it's 2d6 I think that's right we've had the discussion before out uh, for for other it's purposes 2D6. um where yeah you get and you get 2d6 versus um 1d10 as your your role option so hmm. using a true two-hander versus a versatile weapon that can be used as a two-hander i don't remember what what the for for D, &D terms what the stat weight out is the 1d10 versus a 2d6 has the um, average damage well, being 1d10 average damage is going to be five-ish five and a half technically um and and the the possible rolls are anywhere between one and ten 2d6 the average of that is seven and the rolls could be anywhere between 2 and 12 on the dice. So your lowest is still higher than the lowest. Right. Okay, what's it called again? You said Radiant? Radiant Mall. Oh. M-A-U-L. Radiant Mall. Okay. Oh, yeah, I mean... This is a blue item. Equipment. Go for it. You're gonna end up like my my fighter from my other campaign, where I'm I'm literally have an arsenal like on my back. I mean, I can carry it. Even if we were doing um, weighing stuff down, I'd still be fine. Yeah, I think that um, I'm sure there is a game that makes sense to track things like encumbrance and ammunition and like you have to go out and purchase bags to put your stuff in and all that stuff. I do not care about any of that. I prefer not to play that game. So any kind of like, you know what? I'm going to go into the equipment manager and grab three bags so I can like put different stuff into. I do not care. Do whatever you want. What does the device shaped like a musket do? That's the Uzatron. Okay. <laughs> it fires gelatinous cubes. Can you... Control who the gelatinous cube tries to eat? No. Once per day as an action, an attuned user can use the Uzatron to fire the slime at a location of their choice within 10 feet. A gelatinous cube appears in that space under the DM's control. The summoner cannot command the cube, control it, or dismiss it. It exists until destroyed. It acts on its own initiative in combat and behaves no differently than a wild, naturally occurring creature. Dang it, man. Falcus, you're gonna... Am I getting I that feel, one? I, I feel some trolling coming. Is... is, is... <laughs> With you some trolls people. are gonna get trolled. Here's something to keep in mind. It says it can only do it once per day, so we can't use it today. But I do feel Falcus with you usually being distanced. This might be best for you. I mean, it's sure. gotta be within 10 feet. But yeah, we're going to give you, we're going to take these um, awesome weapons with all this magic and amazing stuff. And we're going to give you the, the, the snot gun. <laughs> Slime blaster. <laughs> My save DC is now a 17. So that's exciting. Ooh. And I have a plus nine to spell attacks now. I can't attune to it anyway. I've got three, three pieces. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if this needs to be attunement. It's a no, worthwhile. Yeah. No, it's a worth. It's a worthwhile decision at this point in time. I'm okay because I'm only limited to my three attunements. That this is just one thing I have to choose to use or not. Uh, of the three items that we just talked about, and 
if you're going to say the thing that Ari just picked up, you don't have to attune to. And no, the thing hers, that I just hers, I think you do. Okay, yours, you know, yours, you don't. You know, I I can't keep up with it, but my, mine is is a, is a magic hammer that I don't have to attune to. This is a snot blaster that Falcus can use once a day that probably will get used once a week. And it doesn't give us it gives us advantage, but it could also screw us over. Yeah. Because. It's a it's a slime and run. It's it's really a, a <laughs> uh, instead of smoke bomb, it's you know cute bomb and then run. You know, it'd be cool to like be on a ledge, you know, like it like in Booty Bay or something. You know, like you're you're on the ledge and there's something below you and you and you just shoot in the air and then it just falls. Fire it down at somebody. <laughs> just drop a whole cube on somebody. Snot bomb. <gasps> oh, good. You know what? Okay, so we can't do this because it's already been used today. But Falcus, you could have turned into a bat, gone above the temple, and just shot it down on Jindo. I think the action would have made me come out of a bat. That's fine. Jindo would have been oh, cubed oh, that, at that point. That's fine. That's just, fine. just you know, Falcus would just you know fall to to his death. You wouldn't fall I to would death. You would probably land in the cube. <laughs> You'd probably you land in the cube. It. You could aim it ten feet in front of you, and then I don't know. I have something I could have caught you. That's fine. Land in the croc infested water. I'll always catch you, Falcus. You're my hero. <laughs> hero, hero, hero. <laughs> the callback there. <laughs> yeah. The information I was looking up earlier was I thought I had the name of the Zandalari troll hunter who has the bow and thinking that this is a, a prime piece of device, the the wand to save it, to remove the curse off of him and that bow. That was what I was saying. Uh, Arcot is his name. Arcot. I thought I had it here somewhere. Ahalasu has Arcot mind controlled. But yes, that is a valid point, saving it to try and remove the curse from the bow. Tomorrow. <laughs> but that's... I mean, this is the bow. This is Falcus's bow that we've been after for a year. It's about right, yeah. I will have it. And then watch, it's just like, it's just a plus one. It's like, (laughs) we need to rename this podcast Stranglethorn Vale. Well, it's going to be awkward when you guys get to, like, Goldshire. Welcome to the Stranglethorn Vale podcast. We live in Booty Bay now. My, my notes on Arcot is, you know, Zandalari troll from Nazmir, well familiar with blood magic, blood curses, dark blue, green, blue skin with bottled shoulder bombs. Can magically imbue his shots with fire, has the bow. <laughs> <laughs> Caps. Ah, the only reason, the only reason that... <laughs> we went into the Coliseum to fight was to get the bow. And the only and that reason we didn't get it was because we took too long... <laughs> You were doing pirate stuff. uh, A plunder aisle. (laughs) Which I think Casey said he never really expected us to kind of be as gung-ho as we were about it. (laughs) So better be worth it. Sometimes you're just going to do pirate stuff, man. That's all. I mean, go go back eight or nine months. (laughs) Ah, ah. (laughs) Every character needs their story arc. Okay. We need to make like a like a like a gold statue of this when you finally get it. 
Like what's what's like the like the every like the formula for for a great character and you know has you know the goals and the wants and the needs and that anyway whatever. Well, you know what we can do in Goldshire is uh, um. No summer. What? What can we do in Goldshire? Please enlighten us. What we can do in Goldshire is that that episode will not be aired. Okay. That'll be a Patreon exclusive. Um, I, I was gonna, I was gonna say, um, Dark Moon Fair. That would be a Pete. We could go there. No. Uh, oh. Dark Moon Fair is happening, but that's what um, we in Goldshire. We so we have to go to Goldshire. Uh, so we uh, commission a portrait artist to create a tasteful nude of you. <laughs> I have one of those already. I'm good. Focus with the bow, a tasteful nude. But but with your but with his leg just kind of propped up on a rock a little bit. <laughs> You just oh. get the outer, outer thigh. <laughs> yeah. Buttocks. Yeah. But you're hunting at the same time, you know, like. Has to have wind flowing, like air. Wind hair flowing. Air, but also um, uh, fire coming out of your arrow with the flame boom oil. Yes. Flame boom oil. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so this is a new goal. Commission Fire, painting. wind, nudity. We're going to find out how hairy Falk's legs are. Oh, I'm going to go ahead and guess not at all. That's my guess. <laughs> well, I'm glad we've got a plan. And uh, our... Okay, so um, good. I don't even... We, I must have been tired or something. I don't remember even getting that loot. So, great. I guess we are on our way with yes. um, our people. Yes. The seven of you. Drac, Willath... You three, the Horde three, and Rezik. Rezik Make, came with us? Rezik is gonna, because he needs his shredder back. Yeah. You find your way through the jungle easily enough. You've followed this path once before. It's not long, in the grand scheme of things, before you arrive at the shredder, which is a little bit of a distance from the cave, but not that far. And uh, he jumps in the machine, turns to you guys, and says... All right, so it's it's we wait until we see your your, sig- your signal right from the flare, uh, and then we make a big stink at the gates, uh, and the zeppelin comes in and drops a bunch of stuff. You guys come in from behind, and hopefully this thing is all wrapped up, you know, fast enough that we don't just all die trying. That's that's pretty much the plan, right? Well, today might be a good day to die. I think yeah. it would be a better day to. N- to not. Yeah, didn't we send we were going to send somebody back to the camp to let them know um, yeah, to, that all to, happened. Okay. Yeah, that all happened for sure. Perfect. I was just trying to make sure they're catching up that they're going to stop at the camp or at the lumber mill camp get more fire bloom for dropping. Perfect. Right. Yeah, that happened. I can't wait for barrels. Is it flame bloom oil or flame boom oil? Bloom because it comes from flowers. That makes sense, but the other one sounds more goblin. But hmm. <laughs> he he thinks about it for a moment and goes, "Yeah, I think you're right. 
it's too much work to rebrand this. We'll just have to come up with a bigger explosion. That's what I we'll like do. it. We'll do that tomorrow after we're done this. That's what we'll do. So this well, is flame bloom oil, but now we got to make a flame boom keg. Yeah. And may- maybe you can put some uh, s- something a little extra in it. Maybe something that, that just shoots off green sparks or something. Hmm. That that makes it different from the first one. I don't know. Yeah. We can y- y'all can workshop that, but I'll give you that one for free. Green sparks. I like it. Maybe a bunch of old eggs in there make it stinky too. That'll be funny. Now that is 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 thinking smart. He's right. he's in the machine. He waits a couple seconds. He's like dithering, and then he goes, "All right." Anyway, <laughs> oh man, I can't believe I'm about to pick a fight with the Gurubashi. All right, cool. Uh, hopefully, this all ends when they see the big guy go down. I don't know. One way or the other, going out fighting is going to be a lot more fun than getting sacrificed for whatever this gross blood guide thing that they got going on. Alright, I'll see you on the other side, I guess. And he is off toward where the rest of the goblins are going to meet just outside the gates of the city. Um, It's only another few minutes before you guys get to the Ogre Mound. And there, you can see that there's a couple of ogres stationed outside kind of on guard duty. Each has a big singular eye in the middle of their foreheads. Bright, clear, alert, Nice. as they're standing guard. They see you approaching, and they reach for their clubs, massive, the size of small trees, anger on their faces, pointing at you and say, Go away, the mound is closed! They, uh, were probably blind the last time we were here. Um, Ari, you want to pick this up? And, uh, I'm trying to think who this. talked the most last time that they'd recognize our voice. I was Falkus. Uh, yeah, I'll kind of nudge Falkus. It's like, um, these, we're, we're ogre friends. We're ogre friends. We got the flowers for you guys. I see your, your eyesight's back. As soon as you, like, start to address them, you know, loudly in this way, this look of recognition hits them, and they go, "Oh, yeah, you the ogre friends from yesterday? Yeah, no, you you good? You you come on in, you come on in. Looking good, guys. Looking good. Just kind of walk past them. One of them blushes a little bit. <laughs> Kicks the dirt. Just mm. great job guarding." Yeah, yeah, we do a great job gardening. The other one goes, "Did you say? Did you say gardening?" That's what I heard too. So, uh, let, let's go in and, and and talk talk to the big guy. Yeah, you're able to get in. The Biclops is there. Most of the ogres present seem like they've gotten a lot healthier in the last day, day and a half. There's also must have just arrived a little bit before you guys did are the orc party from Gromgol along with Iwari who also they would they would recognize her uh, so they were able to get in easily enough you fill the biclops in on the plan I suppose yes okay we, we tell them the plan yeah he is eager and ready to join that fight he is 
tired of all this nonsense with the trolls. He feels like every time he turns around, there's something new going on. And he says, yeah, no, let's get in there and finish this. He grabs his big, heavy chain. This oh, big, right. rusted uh, on the ends, iron, just beaten people weapon. And calls for the help of a bunch of ogres that had been uh, healed from their blindness. Is there... We're, we're, we're about to go in the city. Is there anything else last minute? Oh, yeah. We need to take a short rest. Um, yes, we talked about that. Okay. Let's say this. Between the time it would have taken to identify the items, between waiting at the lumber mill to get the goblins back on their feet after the fight with Arna, and having the... Um, you know, spent a few moments waiting for the Zeppelin to come so that you guys could get the equipment loaded. I would say that there would have been enough time in the downtime between those things to squeeze a short rest in. So you guys can do that now. No big deal. Okay. If you're going to do hit points, I'll do the song of rest so you can add a D6. I am going to do that. That's a nice uh, 1D10 plus 1 full on 10. Heal plus a D6, you say? Yep. I think with Butch, you get a D8 or something, too, if he, like, decides to cook or something. I, I can't remember his name. he needs to cook for that, which you could do. There, I mean, you know that the ogres here eat. What food is readily available would be up really more to you than... Because, I, I mean, unless you're trying to eat, like, you know, gorilla toes or something. Okay. Becca, remind me what I roll for... Yeah, so your chef feet... Um, allows people to get a little extra healing off a short rest if you cook for them, I think. Here, let me double check it. As part of a short rest, you can cook some food if you have ingredients and cooks utensils. You can pair, prepare enough food for a number of creatures equal to four plus your proficiency bonus. At the end of a short rest, any creature who eats the food and spends one or more hit dice to regain hit points can regain an extra 1d8 hit hit, hit points. Okay. Your thing is a D6, Ari? Are you sure it's not a D8? I thought they were both D8s. Uh, yeah, I just looked at this and realized I was wrong. It's a D8. My thing says D6, but it didn't match up with my bard when my bard came up. So it's a D8. I apologize. Okay. Yeah, you guys, for Ari's thing, you guys can just re-roll those to get the, the real roll. Oh, nice. I'm at max hit points. I'm good. I don't need a re-roll. Okay. Ari, do you need any uh, food? Shepherd. I'm at max hit points, so I'm okay, too. Okay. Now, um, the other thing I want to remind everyone of is, uh, did we already eat our cookies? Okay, I, I made you burgers, and now is the time to eat them. Okay. And so I, I, I hand those out. They're all wrapped up in, like, uh, big giant, like, leaves and plants. But that's what I made in the kitchen this morning uh, and I used the, the fish burger the fish to make the burgers and I foraged in, in the in the jungle uh, that were, well. that's right that was the first thing you did this morning when you woke up mm -hmm. I woke up really early and went for you know took my morning constitutional and uh, uh, went uh, foraging and so you can equip the battle burger. After eating a battle burger, you may 
add your proficiency bonus twice to any strength-based saving throws. Okay, that doesn't help y'all very much, but okay, cool. If you are already proficient with the specified role, this benefit replaces that proficiency. It gives me a plus five to athletics when I normally have a plus zero, so if I have to do anything athletic, it'll help me. Thing is, when I equip it... Oh, there we go. Oh, I think it... Do you have the rage on also? I also... I never turned the rage off. Thank you. That might be it. You're just walking through the forest, like, on fire. Man. (sighs) Gonna have a heart attack. Okay. I don't remember if we ate the cookies. But they would give us extra hit points. No, they we would have we did. because there's we did yeah. because there's because there's no reason not to. Uh, we did. We definitely did. All right. So okay, yeah. So I now have all my quaking palms back. Um, I have used two of my rages, but uh, I got two more. And uh, I hope all of us have all the uh, HP. And let's uh, head in there. There's one more question I had before we got there. When in the plan is the signal? I think you had said us going through the cave would take about the same time for the Venture Co. Goblins. So we'll have to step back out real quick, do the signal, and then head out. All right, Ari. Okay. You want to do the honors? So yeah, I'll go out and bust up a flare into the sky. All right. <laughs> off it goes. Through the foliage, you shot it right. It didn't bounce off a tree or nothing. Anybody who's looking for it should be able to see it. Maybe some people who weren't looking for it might have seen it too. But we'll see what happens. I, th- I think we we knew that was a... Yeah, that that's, was a, a that's what happens when you shoot signal flares as people see them. Butch, Ari, and Falcus. Wellath, Trag, and Drak. Iwari. Agragash. Big ol' handful of orcs. The Biclops. Big ol' handful of ogres. All trudging through the deep caves behind the Mashag Ogre Mound. The trip is easy enough. The Biclops and his ogres take the lead. You're almost to the wall that you patched back up to hide your trail. And in the distance, you can hear a bassy rumbling noise in in the far distance. If, if you imagine what it might sound like to hear thunder from underground, that's not it, but it's similar. It's similar enough. You think that that might be kind of close to the noise. As everybody reaches the hidden backdoor entrance to Zulgarub, you find it still blocked up from when you made your escape yesterday. It seems like you did a good enough job covering your tracks that this cave entrance was not discovered by the trolls in the past day. Whoever's in the lead, I would say probably the Biclops, pushes through the rock wall. The stones come tumbling down, and light shines in. 
from the troll city of Zulgarub. You enter into the city in the back of the temple of uh, Hirik, just like last time. Now, yesterday when you arrived, the city was basically quiet, uh, as most of the population in the city was down at the arena at the time. Today, the city bustles with activity. As you step out into the Bat Temple, you can hear the movement, the chaos, the sound of battle of dozens, maybe hundreds of trolls, all responding to the attack at the front entrance of the city. Yes! You look around the temple grounds here and see no defenders. Even the skeletal and zombie trolls that you had seen patrolling the city are missing from this place. The only things that are here are the three massive bat-faced totems and like, you know, the little huts and the construction equipment and all that stuff that you had seen previously. The totems of the three, still only one has those menacing glowing red eyes. We'll fix that today. Agragosh and his orcs exit the cave and kind of like organize into this, you know, tactical formation near the front, uh, near the exit to the temple, like on the way into the city. Um, they're military. They, they move as if they're purposeful in all this. The ogres are moving through the space much more slowly, not as if they're nervous about proceeding or anything of that nature. They're just like looking around and taking their time and being generally kind of bumbly and not coordinated, uh, like militarily speaking. Sure. As you get to the slope downward that heads toward the water, toward where the bridges are, and all of that, you can see a number of things. First of all, as you look toward the entrance, where throngs of trolls are rushing in that direction, um, you can see that the narrow pathway that serves as the primary way in and out of the city is partially crumbled. And the Gurubashi are having a hard time funneling through. On the far side of that, the Venture Company goblins are mostly using a kind of ranged attack strategy with guns, bombs, dynamite. They're throwing oil. The Shredder, piloted by Rezik, is really the only melee combatant that you can see in this distance. And he doesn't have a lot of fighting that he needs to do because any trolls that are running on their way out have to do so after squeezing through. Like, they're climbing over themselves trying to get outside to attack the goblins. The The Gurubashi response to a dozen or so attackers would seem almost overblown to you. Like, this is way too big a reaction for such a small attack. Except that, you know, you have the knowledge that they've been you know, induced to bloodlust by Jindo's rituals and all that. They're, as soon as they're under attack, they're like, everybody go now. Uh, and the goblins attack smart. They they made the way out so narrow with the, like they had thrown bombs in, as far as you can tell, based on the scorch marks and the, the collapsing rock, that uh, the way out is so narrow that the troll's numerical superiority is essentially useless. They're just, they're, they're choked right there. Agragosh gestures to the orcs and 
has them move forward. And when they're in, and with Iwari as well, she's with that party. When they start to get into position and run toward the entrance to Pincer, the trolls that are there, all according to plan so far, he starts shouting, Attack! Attack! We hold them here so the freelancers can finish off the big one! Look, Tarogar! For the horde! And you hear shouts, For the horde! like echoing from the orcs that are <laughs> you can hear like almost thunder from the feet of as they run now that you're down from the temple of Harik you also have a good line of sight on the ziggurat in the central area of the city in the distance he's it's he's medium sized and you're still a little bit of a distance so it's hard to make out some of the detail but you can see a medium sized figure standing at the top of the structure I will say, Falcus, with your passive perception, you can make out a little bit more. You can see the overwhelming joy on his face at the violence in Zulgarub right now. He turns away from the fighting, moves toward the center of the top level of the ziggurat, waves his staff overhead in a law like large circular motion the blood red crystal that is at its top flaring with an intense red light as the combat feeds into his blood magic it's a sunny day today but you can start to see clouds forming overhead as this figure works beyond that you can see the Zeppelin flying into position over the Temple of Bethek. A group of Gurubashi are rushing like toward you guys, like on their way to the entrance from the north area. Like they're going to cross the bridge, pass the ziggurat heading toward you. Uh, but suddenly have kind of a lot more on their hands than they bargained for as two barrels of flame bloom blam are dropped from the Zeppelin and crash in the area around the trolls. You can see Job and several of his resistance guys descending on ropes from the Zeppelin and swarming the trolls as they rush to put out the fires. A familiar-looking troll mage, familiar to Falkus anyway, <laughs> flies up toward the Zeppelin, magic gathering in his hands. And like a bolt of lightning... He is struck by the unmistakable golden divine energy from a sacred flame spell. And you can see that Omi is up on deck of the Zeppelin, meeting that mage in combat. <laughs> you make haste toward the ziggurat. Unless there's anywhere else you're trying to go instead. No, but uh, the fact that you said before with my perception seeing the the... Is the crystal on a staff or is he summoning the stuff to a crystal on a pedestal or something like that? Because you're saying that I can see the crystal. Uh, yeah, it's this. It's maybe the size of a loaf of bread. It's jagged and unrefined. Crystalline in structure, blood red in color. And it's on the end of this five and a half foot tall, six foot tall staff or maybe spear. But... Like, it's not built right for a spear, probably. It's probably the focus at the end of a staff. And he's holding the staff in his hand, and he's waving it in a large circle overhead. 
and the the thin red mist that had been hanging over the city that was way thicker previously, but you guys messed up the ritual, is gathering. It's being fed into by the violence that's here in the city today. And there are clouds forming in the sky overhead above all of this, slowly turning this bright sunny day into more of an overcast kind of situation. Okay. The plan's, the plan's working, man. It's working so far. We'll see what happens when the dice start flying. I mean, the, the, the things are getting into place. Mm-hmm. So now it's maybe a, maybe a couple of orcs with you, but m- most of them are in the pincer move. You still have the, uh, the ogres with you. You have Wellath, Trag, and Drak with you. You're making your way down toward the ziggurat, knowing that the most important piece to this puzzle is the defeat of Jindal. You're able to make decent headway through the chaos, but it's slow going as you try to do it without provoking, you know, an attack from any of the Gurubashi who might notice you. The orcs that you're with and the ogres make for pretty good cover on your way. They stop the majority of issues that come in into your direction. You do see that two pretty large Gurubashi charge directly at you, uh, your group in particular which forces Trag, Wellath, and Drak to peel off to protect your advance. Trag shouts, Go! We'll handle these! And Drak drops a totem, and you see a six-foot-tall fire elemental spring to life next to him as he casts that fourth-level spell that I was like, Ah, oh, do I burn a fourth-level spell today in Booty Bay? I was like, I can't, because summon elemental... It's a fourth level spell, and I, I you can't you can't waste that the first thing in the morning. Every troll within twenty feet takes a step back, visibly sweating when they see a fire elemental enter play. <laughs> you are able to get to the bridge that leads across the water toward the ziggurat. You're almost there. You're so close. <laughs> Across this bridge is the landing where the stairs begin that you can climb to reach the top of the ziggurat and finally go for Jindo. And standing on that bridge is a medium-sized Gurubashi, female, robed, wearing a rough-hewn wooden mask. You feel like you'd get splinters from touching it. She matches the description that Iwari gave of the Blood Witch that works directly under Jindo. Butch, you're still feeling the guilt about what happened in Booty Bay this morning. I am. But you know that no matter how much you're blaming yourself for what happened, the circumstances that led to that fight, at very least you're able to reassure yourself that at least you weren't the one who cast the spell that killed those goblins. So. Blood Witch. Blood Witch. Top of the round. Butch, highest on initiative. You guys are at the bottom of a slight slope that goes up to a landing that meets the bridge. Blood Witch is about halfway down the bridge. Behind you, 
you can see that the ogres and, um, you know, Trag and Drak and all them are doing the combat thing, but they're like back behind you far enough that you can move without penalty. Butch, it's your turn. What are you doing? I'm not running up on a blood witch. It's like, yeah, I've, I, I might've, uh, learned my lesson with the forearm troll, but more than that, so that, that forearm troll was at least stupid. You know what I mean? Even though it could fly <laughs> and it could beat the heck out of me. And I am not in melee range of it. The, the best I can do is throw a hand axe of the blood witch. That's the best I can do. But let me... I'm going to run forward so that, that on the next time I can get there. Um, I can go 40 feet, but I'm going to go 25 feet. I'm not going to pop rage yet. Uh, oh, wait a minute. I could, though, because I'm attacking. Okay, yeah. Sure. Okay, so... Oh, but that, that new rage thing that I have lets me, like, run a whole bunch um, if I if I do that. Yeah. As, as part of the bonus action, you get an additional 20 feet, I think. So your full movement speed on this turn would be 60 feet without having to take an action to do it. I could run up on this Blood Witch. Guys, uh, I'm, I'm going to ask y'all's opinion. I, I, I think if I run up on this bl- Blood Witch... The first spell cast of the day is on me, like directly bouncing me the hell out of Zolgar up. We know she's used her big spell of the day. I just don't know how, if it's like a level four spell where she gets to use it once and we're done, or... Didn't we think that the other mage, is this the same mage? This no. isn't the mage. This is the blood witch. The blood witch is the one that has the no, one the, big spell. The mage I dealt with out over the bay is currently fighting um, off, off the airship. I thought this is the Go ahead. one we think did the spell in the cave that killed all the goblins. Okay, so I was thinking wrong. I was I was thinking that it was the other mage. Um, this isn't a mage. This is a witch. I can run up on this thing. I think I think I'm gonna bounce off her and get thrown is what I think. I, I don't think it's a good idea <laughs> for me to do that. I mean, what do y'all think? I love this I, image of battle raging around you on all sides. And, then and you just, just like going, huddle up huh. like, all right, guys, what are we going to do next? Get in, get into the huddle. Let's go. We're going to talk about this. I mean, that's what they did on Stranger Things. That's exactly what they did on Stranger Things. I mean, aside from putting yourself at risk of, of getting casted upon, you're also putting pressure on them and potentially interrupting any kind of concentration they're casting. I think if we're close together, we're at a disadvantage because I feel like that mana bomb is a concentrated location. So if we're far apart, maybe only one or two of us get hit. So I don't think you going in is a bad idea. <laughs> it's not the best idea. But it's not bad. <laughs> I think if someone's going to get hit by hit the points, you have more hit points. You have almost double mine. No, I wouldn't have. Butch wouldn't have survived that. Um, that, but uh, I don't think so anyway. But 
Anyway. Here's a better question. What would Butch do? Butch has all this emotion. Butch knows this is the creature that did the mana bomb. WWBD, dude. WWBD. What would Butch do? Butch sees this. Butch knows this creature killed all those goblins in the cave. So I pop rage. <laughs> so so the, the only like extra action it lets me do is run, right? There's nothing special more than that. The You mean the, the heroic leap or whatever the ability is called? Where you, um, yeah, it's you, when you rage, that's a bonus action. But as part of that same bonus action, you can move 20 feet. And then you can use your movement, which is 40 feet. And then you can use your action. All right. I'm I'm also thinking of the difference between, like, slashing and bludgeoning damage. But, um... All right. I'm gonna... You can get up to her with a 20 and then a 30. Movement. No, I can, get, I, can, I can get to her. 100%. Especially with the with popping rage. So, I'm... I am not gonna stand here pee on myself and throw a blood at, uh, and throw a hand axe. I am going to and I'm gonna like like scratch the dirt behind me like in a in an animal type type way. You know, and like there's like hot breath coming out of my nose, just ready to go. And there's there's smoke and fire coming out from the north. There's all this crazy like booming and yelling coming from the uh from from the west i've got all this huge crew of orcs and trolls and and and, and like magic users and like demon hunters and stuff and, and like a like a fire elemental behind me i'm going to raise that Radiant Maul above my head. And it's... And I'm going to... Run up on this witch. Raise the Maul. And... Does a 17 hit? Yes. 17 hits. Your... You said you were attacking with... You said you were attacking with the with the maul, but that's a roll for the battle axe. Now it would be the same attack roll, so you don't have to change that. But I just want to make sure that you get the right damage because it'll be different you. damage. It is different damage. So let's take that roll, okay? Because it's the exact same thing, and um, let's go for the damage. Ten bludgeoning damage. Awesome! You come running in right across this thing's face. Uh, as a reaction to that, I'm going to mark that I'm doing my reaction. Her going to cast a spell. I'm going to need for, I think it's a dex, I think it's a dexterity saving throw. Come on, dex save. Surely it's a uh, Yes, I need you to roll me a DC 15 dexterity saving throw. 14. Um... You are a barbarian. You have advantage on dexterity saving throws against effects that you can see. Mm, 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 mm. Thank you. 11. Okay. Uh, so 11 and 14. So the DC was 15. Um, as soon as you hit, fire blasts out from her mouth. 
She opens her mouth wide and slams you with hellish rebuke. Uh, that's going to be 12 fire damage to you, Butch. Um, yeah, no, I have uh, immunity to fire damage. No, I don't. 12 fire damage. <laughs> I'm going to attack again with the Radiant Mall. All right. And, you know, I'm, I'm just snarling right now. And I just want to I just want to crack that mask right in half. I'm going to guess a 10 doesn't hit. No, you swing in with the 10. It like she she jumps back a little bit from it. It looks like it should still hit and then clangs off of a spectral magical armor that you see is only in existence for the brief second that you impact it. Um, You're familiar enough, I think, with the mechanics of combat and the reality of this is just sometimes what happens when you fight against a spellcaster. That hit bounced off of her mage armor. With the, not that Butch has to, but with the fire attack, would that have counted that he could have blinded her? Let's go ahead and double check what it says on the item. What are you talking You can, as a reaction for your Radiant Maul, when you get hit by an attack, you can blind them, and then they're blinded until the end of your next turn. Oh. Yes. Thank you. It's a new weapon that uh, Amanda read, and I didn't. I, I, I hope that reaction. It has four charges? I would say, I would say why not? As a reaction, immediately after being hit by an attack, the wielder can expend one charge and cause the attacker to be blinded until the end of the attacker's next turn. So I should have I should have said this after being hit by the fire. I didn't, but you're going to let it slide this time? Yeah, I'm not sure. Generally speaking, when the wording is hit by an attack... Um, it's usually accepted that that's like someone did an attack roll on you, but why not? It's a new item. Let's do it. Okay, because that was a reaction. Well, you can do attack rolls as reactions, but it the effect happened and you rolled a save against it, as opposed to when they tried to hit you, they roll an attack to try to do it. Right. Generally speaking, when the wording on an item is when you're hit by an attack or when you hit with an attack, the accepted idea there is that it's an attack roll, but... Again, it's a new weapon, and this is exciting. So whatever, man, let's let's do it. Uh, cool. You want to you want to you want a Constitution saving throw out of me then? So that's a con saving throw of fifteen. I rolled a fourteen. Oh, you are you are blinded. You are blinded, sir. All right, oh cool. So she blinded. The wielder can spend one and be blinded until the end of the next attacker's turn. Unless the attack... Okay, and I'm going to look up blinded. Oh, I didn't mean to click off the page here. They can't see and fails any ability check. Attack rolls against this creature have advantage. And the creature's attack rolls have disadvantage. So they can still attack. Um, and this person knows that I am in front of them. <laughs> but uh, they have disadvantage. Hey, thank you. That was pretty clutch, Ari. Um, that is my... That's my turn. 
I just hear Philip the back like, blind them with the maw! Oh yeah! Oh, that's right, because it lights up! Wow! Okay, cool. And I got three more charges on that. And I got three quaking palms. Good to go! Okay, whose turn is it now? That's going to affect my ability to do things. Um, a lot of my Good. a lot of my stuff requires sight, as it turns out. I'm reading through my spell list here. Uh, so if that's going to be the end of your turn, Falcus, you see all this happen, and you have to squint for a moment as a bright flash of light comes out of Butch. Like, there's, like, fire getting shot. Like, you think he doesn't have fire abilities? What's going on? And then bright light and things? What are you doing? Okay, I'm going to move 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. I have full movement. I'm only at exhaustion level one. And I am going to wind up a big old fat cataclysm arrow. And I get to attack with advantage two on this. Yep. Because I think the cataclysm arrow is just an additional on my quiver. Yeah, it's just, it Ooh, has an additional effect a, when it hits. And I get a plus one bonus to my attack roll as well. Per the, the arrow. Yeah, yeah. Bah. All right, so we'll put that up there like that. Um, and I'm going to, right off the bat, take the minus five. So here's my longbow attack. It's a 26 plus one is a 27 minus five is a 22 to hit. Yes, that hits. It is seven piercing damage plus five sneak attack. Hold Do that you thought. Want to try Roll that again. Oh. Just oh, yeah, to see advantage. if you can get that crit. What were you going to say, Ari? The exact same thing he was going to say. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So I can do... Let's do it this way. No. That one would only be a 16. But, uh, so, I had 7 piercing damage, 5 sneak attack, plus an additional 10 from sharpshooter, because I took the minus 5. And we get to roll... <laughs> roll a cataclysm arrow. So, we roll a slash roll, if I can spell correctly. 1d6 is a magical three. A three to four, the arrow freezes the air around the target into jagged ice. The target, and I'm sorry, Butch, uh, this was a risk to take. Uh, the target and each creature within five feet of it must succeed on a DC 17 dexterity saving throw or take 1d10 cold damage and be restrained into, t- into the end of my next turn. Restrained sorry, just Butch. means you can't move your feet, right? Yes, you're frozen in place. It means a couple of things. But yeah, the she failed. How about you, Butch? Uh, roll that with advantage, by the way, because you're a barbarian. It's a dex save. Dex? Definitely failed. So what what does that mean? Other one than D I can't move? Oh, 1d10 damage. Slash okay. roll 1d10 extra damage. Six. Six. And what kind of damage is that? It is cold. Okay. And what what is it what does it mean to me? Just the, the extra six cold damage, and you are restrained to the end of your next turn. Uh, sorry, what does restrain, restrain do to me? I can't go anywhere, I know that, but what else? It'll be movement speed zero, yeah. and attack rolls against you have advantage. Your attack rolls have disadvantage. You have disadvantage on deck saves. At this point, though, you both you and... It evens Her out. Are even. You, you're just rolling at. You're rolling at normal right now. Yeah. Sorry, Butch. It was. It was a risk because it no, was a, no. just a that D six is. I could have rolled any of those other ones that are in there too. So I wanted did to you, take the chance. You did damage to, to her. That's fine. 
that was the goal, and I did some damage. Um, so we're also, gonna do you just a CC'd her, and she was already CC'd. But okay, save your quaking palms for later, bud. Okay. All right, so let me just mark off a cataclysm arrow from my inven- inventory. And I am going to take another longbow attack. Still with advantage. I'll take the minus five as well. So here's the first one. That is a not with a cataclysm arrow, so that is a 14, but we'll do it with advantage. And that's a crit one. So does a 14 hit. Uh, no, you fire that second shot. It seems like it's firing true, but the sudden blast of cold around both of these uh, targets uh, is creating this like weird vortex effect that like there's like a little bit of a wind and a little bit of a weird like pressure situation and the, the arrow steers off course as it gets closer. No hit. How close does it feel? Pretty close. Okay. So we know a 17 hits, a 14 doesn't. That is all I got for my turn, and I'm going to yell out, Sorry, Butch! Oh, uh, Elven Accuracy. Whenever I hit advantage on the attack roll, I can reroll that dice once, so let's reroll again. No, still missed. It was a 10. Worth a shot. Worth a yeah, shot. Yeah, worth a shot! Okay. It is... Uh, any bonus action or anything like that? I don't think... Not this time around, but I got I got something up my sleeve. All right. What you got at the end of Falcus's turn, what you guys were not aware of, because he rolled a 22 on his stealth check before this fight started, uh, as he peeks out from above you guys uh, on the southern side of this landing, there's like a, a higher rock section, and... You change layer to token layer. You see, peeking out from behind uh, a tree and some bushes and such, a Zandalari troll. Uh, you can see golden tattoos around like his under neck, upper chest area. His tusks are gilded, and he has a pretty wicked-looking longbow in his hands that he levels at hmm, I'm going to say after having seen that shot with the ice and the the sneak attack and the <laughs> the, the everything else Arcot the Zandalari troll is going to do a multi attack against Falcus I will add him to the initiative order he rolled a uh, 16 on his initiative bring it you're going to fight for that bow. You ain't getting it for free. He takes aim at Falcus uh, because he is attacking from a stealth position. The first attack is going to be with advantage. And you see as he, you don't see it because he's stealth, but for, from the audience's perspective, what you might have seen if he was not stealthed is as he draws the bowstring back, a very familiar looking blue wispy energy that is reminiscent of the cold damage that you just hit the blood witch and butch with surrounds the arrow as blood from the tips of his fingers that he did a little bit of a slice on when he drew the bowstring back to create his crimson right fires off a longbow shot at 
Falcus. Oh, does my does my fancy schmancy macro not work for that? Okay, that's fine. I'll do it over here. Uh, ooh, Ouch. wow! I rolled double twenty fives. That's exciting. He deals ten piercing damage. The effect of the longbow lets him deal an additional two piercing damage on top of that. And the freezing cold nature of the arrow does an additional five cold damage as almost as if almost as if sneak attack had happened. Um, a little bit of extra damage gets in there from the special ability of the longbow and Falcus got hit good. He is going to do his brand of castigation on you as well. That is an effect that happens once per rest whenever he deals damage with a weapon that has an active Crimson Rite on it. He can sear an arcane brand into the creature that he hits. It has several effects. The most important one for this combat is that, well, we'll find out when we get there, I guess. Uh, but you are branded. It doesn't do any damage right now. It doesn't do any damage as a result of being applied but it does have an effect that I'm going to say it's this happy little snowflake. It's a little snowflake brand right there. And that is what you have on you. Okay. This is important. This is really important. Where is this brand located on his body? That's a great question. Um, it's Falcus's body. So I think he should answer that question. I would say it's just like, so, I, I mean, my positioning, the arrow probably struck me right in my left shoulder, like my, re my, or my left pec, because that would have been the, the side that was um, visible profile, um, and the brand would have been showing up just above, just above his heart, closer to the right pec. Um, so right up, right up here in the right pec, and it's just going to be like, starts to sear in there, and he just grits his teeth like... Ah! Falcus is the king of debuffs. Remember, everyone, from way back when, because this was only yesterday in the game, Falcus has still got one level of exhaustion. A little bit. <laughs> All right. Just because I'm, I'm paranoid, your weapon attack bonus with your longbow is plus 10, right? It is, in fact... Plus 10. Okay. Okay, good. I did do it right. He fires again at you. Of course he does. Ah, but a 15, I think, would probably miss. A 15 does miss. Okay. After the first shot, I, I ducked down a little bit to a knee, and the other one went over at my head. The invasion of Zul'Garub is underway. The plan seems to be working, at least for now, as our heroes push into the center of the Troll City. They knew they'd meet some resistance here, but they probably didn't expect to be ambushed by Arkot the Bloodhunter while they were distracted by Jindo's Blood Witch. The big boss is only just up the top of these steps, but will our heroes survive long enough to reach him? 
We'll have to wait until next week to find out when it's time to queue up for some more heroic dungeons and dragons. Please follow us at twitter.com slash heroicdnd, where you'll find our players' social media info and a link to our Discord server.